0: Welcome to the Working Together Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Morales, thinker, maker, doer behind Working Together, a burgeoning hub of can-do and know-how inspired to explore who we are and how we can work together better. I'm fascinated by all the ingredients that you need to really make something happen, to really engage a system and the groups of people within it. And so, on this podcast, you'll hear a lot of stories from the people, projects, businesses, campaigns, communities, and so on who are striving for a more sustainable and progressive world. I call them the Archipelagos of a Possible Future. You'll hear their trials and tribulations, their reflections, their lessons learned, and hopefully you'll walk away with some actionable advice to start your own archipelago. Because what the world needs more than anything right now is more archipelagos of a possible future. So have a listen and join me. In this episode, I have a conversation with Amand Dosange of The Paisley Notebook, a pop-up dinner series that takes place on farms throughout the Okanagan Valley. We talk about Amon's story, her travels around the world that inspired her current work, and her deep desire to connect city folk with the farmers who grow their food. Have a listen, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for being a part of the podcast, Amon. And, uh, and being an archipelago on my map of archipelagos that I'm putting together right now, uh, one thing that I start out all my conversations with people yep. um, is, uh, is basically uh, your story, like how you came to do what you're doing right now with the Paisley Notebook um, and the reason why behind it, like the big reason why. So if you could maybe give me a bit of a sense of how you came to do what you're doing right now and your backstory
1: yeah well I'm originally from England so we came over in 2008 on an entrepreneurial visa and we came over as a family so we had to start a business and we didn't know what business I was never supposed to be part of it because um, I've got this marketing degree and mm-hmm. um, it was supposed to be a project that was for my brother and my mom and my brother and my dad sorry and uh, with family-run businesses they tend to suck you in mm. <laughs> and so we started a farm to table Indian restaurant uh, with the hopes of not only generating jobs for us internally um, but also kind of extending it out so we wanted to be part of the community and that's why we went farm to table and and tried to make this very much home so we had that for six years.
0: What was the name of that restaurant? It was called Papa Dom's. Papa Dom's?
1: Yes. So we were on McCurdy Corner and we had that for six years. And then um, we ended up selling the restaurant and I decided to go traveling. So I went on my own self-guided edible adventure where I just literally ate the world for seven and a half months. And the idea was to uh, just ask people to share something about food. I feel like the restaurant industry is one of those industries that kind of suck you in and you're doing the day-to-day a lot Mm -hmm. and you get that repetition and the fact that we're so short-staffed as an industry the wages has always been an issue Mm -hmm. you're overworked underpaid Uh, it's an industry that essentially breaks people so physically mentally verbally abused in a lot of cases as well and um, there's obviously a lot of people that are a bit jaded about Mm. that or leave the industry and i think it's really sad when you've got young cooks that's so talented and then they don't want to do it anymore but they went to culinary school and they don't know how to live outside of the the restaurant industry as well when they leave the the food industry so what i wanted to do is start this project where i get people and these are backpackers farmers anyone that would literally fellow tourists, uh, locals anyone that will want to talk to me to share a food memory so whether it's a smell, a taste a time, an ingredient a grammar it didn't really matter just um, something that connected us because mm-hmm. it's something that we need to do three times a, a week uh, three times a day and then uh, everyone has to eat so a lot of the times when you see people's similarities it's easier to accept people's differences and 2016 was the year that I feel like the world officially broke, but there was so much kindness in the world. Mm -hmm. And so many people that just had my back and they never had the right to have my back because they just met me. But then there was that trust there. And so I, this was my project to literally say goodbye to working professionally with food. Mm. And so, and then all these magical kind of things just happened during my travels and you fall in love with everything and is my opportunity to learn for the first time because I was self-taught and uh, to, to have locals that didn't speak a word of English tell you if you're making your pasta right or wrong and just saying no, no. when you haven't made it right. So where and did you
0: go when you went to eat the
1: world? So I went to 10 different countries okay. four, across four continents so started off in New Zealand, Australia, Fiji, Thailand, Cambodia, Athens, London that's where I recharged my bank account because I'm from England. Right, so, right. So, yeah. And then I could eat more when I went back. Yes, so, right. So Copenhagen, uh, back to London, then to Italy, New York, Vancouver and home. Oh, wow. So, hmm. so it's kind of interesting.
0: Crazy. And so tell me a bit more about this idea of you leave behind food professionally, but then it sounds like with the journey that you're doing is actually re- it's, it's deepening your your uh your your approach to the work that you were doing before your your food work in a sense right
1: when you start talking to people it's it was the it was the farmers that were actually the most content mm-hmm. and a lot of the times they work the hardest and the longest and you're in an industry where mother nature dictates everything um, there's not very many professions where you can say that honestly year in year out you have to put everything on the line like Mm -hmm. your there isn't that that cushion that you have is me going to my day job and i know that i'm going to be in an office and i know that you know things are going to go wrong but not necessarily that your whole chicken population has got some sort of illness and need to be put down and you know all of those kind of things or the yield didn't the pollination was bad so then you you don't have a yield of apricots Mm -hmm. and so But then you start talking to everyone and they're just so content and they still had sparkly eyes when it came to food and, you know, they were just saying, I met this fisherman in in Fiji and I asked him. Why are you a fisherman? He goes, oh, I love being a fisherman. When I'm in the sea, I get to play with the fishes. And um, when I'm around, around town, I, there's so many people and, and and cars, and I don't really like that. But when I'm at sea, I feel happy. Hmm. And he goes, I get food, and my family have a, a house, and we have shelter, and and they were just so content. And I think we forget that. And so the then what was happening was, It was those stories that started to build the Paisley Notebook and and really kind of hit home because I've got a marketing background. So then it kind of was, I tell stories for a living, but Mm -hmm. then it's now I tell stories with food. And so I started creating dishes based on those stories. And then it's kind of gone and transitioned into uh, the sauce dinner series which is a farm to table dinner series which actually takes you to your food source. so we go to farms across the Okanagan so it's not just Kelowna that's being highlighted it's um, Aaron from Crooked Sky Farm there was the Greencroft Gardens there was um, Sterling Springs chicken in Falkland we've gone to Stewbury Farm in Summerland there's been Roche Wines in, in Naramata. so it's just taking people further and further away from Kelowna because I feel that this is a place where People don't necessarily like to travel for good food and we really need to do that in order to support local and to make sure that you know summertime in Kelowna that we can travel 15 minutes to go to downtown Kelowna and have a meal at an independent restaurant that's on Bernard Avenue because if we don't we're not going to have that food culture and identity and we are going to become one big chain
0: right chain chain town chain Mm -hmm. city with chain restaurants Mm -hmm. yeah so, um, I would see that as kind of the big why behind a lot of what you're doing, right? Is that right? Like, you're trying to, in yeah. a sense, show people in the Kelowna area, in particular, all these other places that and are around it?
1: To also, like, my connections with food and my farmers is just so much deeper than a lot of people's and I'm so close to my food source and I've been one of those people that's been really annoying and going up to people and asking them, why why do you grow it in this way? and. And then it becomes about, okay, how do I share this information with everyone? Because I left behind restaurant life, but that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna stop supporting local. And I always promise when I closed the doors of our restaurant that I was going to tell people how hard it is in order for them to get an appreciation. And I feel like that's a unique position as well, because not many people get to see that side of things.
0: Right, to and see the, the behind the scenes restaurant side of things as well
1: as closing but then you once we announced we were closing and um, we closed because my mom ended up having a heart attack and oh it the six hour, the six work days a week and 16 hour days was just mm-hmm. really not worth it when you've moved here for a better life and yeah. we haven't all you've been doing is working yeah. so but then once you announce that you were closing then all these people will come up to us and tell us and come up to us just to say thank you or Mm -hmm. um, share their own memories, which is really like you always have your own personal memories of the place, but people started to openly share their memories of how your restaurant has had that impact on their lives and special occasions and and things. And one of the things that really stands out to me is we were on our last week and I stopped answering the phone because I was like, there's so many phone calls and I could either prep and feed the people on our already substantial wait list or I could keep on asking the phone and get distracted and then I just for some reason I answered the phone and it ended up being this English lady and so I was explaining that we you know it's our last service it's gonna be really really busy we're gonna try our best um but please be patient with us if things take a bit longer because we have got a lot of reservations and we're trying to feed as many people as we can And then she was like, that's completely fine. Um, As soon as I found out that you were closing, I said to my son, and she had recently lost her husband, Mm. and that was, Papa Dimes was their place. So Mm. she turned to her son and said, we're gonna go for one last meal with your dad. And I was like, how do I not stop? boiling yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. there? But it's those things that if, if I can share those stories and tell people, you know what, if you enjoy your meal, go over to the pass and just say thank you to the people that's cooked for you. At the end of my dinners, people wait to talk to me, give me hugs. They help me stack tables and chairs. And those things would never happen in restaurant life. Mm-hmm. So I've taken all of the negatives that I could think of about restaurant life and I tried to flip it because this is the only way that I was ever going to work with food again is if it was under my terms. Right. And now I'm trying to show people that there is a different way. And my way is not necessarily the right way for everyone because I make my life so much more complicated. And I do have a day job, so it does change the dynamic of things because mm-hmm. this isn't my bread and butter. Yeah. I do have my day job, so it means that I can pay my rent. And, what and you that can mean?
0: have more fun with this and yeah. be more creative and... and- take risks and whatnot probably with it as well
1: yeah like, even
0: though like when i looked on your web page it's it seemed like all of the events that you did this past summer for sourced yes sold out they did that's great
1: That's kind of crazy yeah it's and it's there's no guarantees and it's been pretty humbling and i felt very lucky because you know with pop-up life is a dinner for one night mm-hmm. and there's no guarantees that people are going to get it and especially because I was taking people further and further away from Kelowna and I've been living in Kelowna for 10 years now, so a lot of my customer base is here. So it is a huge risk taking them to all of these other places, but then if our farmers come from Enderby and Grinrod and Falkland and, and all these other places on Wednesdays and Saturdays, the goal was to, okay, by the end of this, let's take you to where they grow and raise their produce, how they do, and you can, see it for yourself and you can pick produce and get hands-on and play with your food and hear the stories because every time I'm telling that particular farmer's story Mm -hmm. and the hope is to then even if you're not going to buy anything that if you're there just say hi. It goes back to the trust like all these people have trusted me for six years with the restaurant they followed me on my travels they're now following me with these dinners that they know nothing about Mm -hmm. and then I my promise to them is I will cook in the seasons, I only buy the produce on the week of the, of, and I only write the menu essentially, I get an idea of what's mm-hmm. happening but you never know until the week of so mm-hmm. the produce is bought in the week of so it's taking terroir and that sense of place but sense of place and sense of time so that people can then get an appreciation of what grows when. Mm-hmm. because there's so many people that have never been on the farm and they've lived in Kelowna all their lives
0: yeah yeah there is uh, I think in any city there's there's usually not too much of an awareness of the surrounding countryside uh-huh. and uh, you know also just the surrounding countryside's impact on your health too yep. like here's here's a uh, reason I've always thought of in terms of or you know supporting local organic is that you're in a sense you're supporting a healthier environment around you in general like for yourself but Mm -hmm. also for the surrounding habitats of different animals and things like this and there's the health um, there's the health benefit that comes from eating organic when you're not consuming as many pesticides and things like that as well which is so so great and so often I think when we're inside cities uh, we get stuck in these little food bubbles, mm-hmm. you know, they're like the anti-archipelago <laughs> sense, yeah. right? You're you're tied into these uh, massive food systems that are, um, you know, using a lot of resources to bring those food uh, items to, their, to those tables um, and having lots of unsustainable consequences in the process of that. So it's kind of like this pop-up idea to me it it feels like what you're trying to do is draw the general public's attention to the wealth i guess that's all around them right
1: i think when the bounty when you have something so abundant yeah you stop thinking of it as something that's precious and i think that's the best way of describing seasonality as well is that it, it should be considered precious because if it's available all the time you're not going to consider it to Mm -hmm. be something special
0: precious yeah.
1: and so when you close your eyes anywhere in the world everyone you've lost that sense of place everyone's eating the same tomatoes cauliflower Mm -hmm. carrots and avocado and if you close your eyes you don't know where you are anymore So let me take you into my world and my happy place is very much being outside on a farm and I want people to have the same relationships that I do with my farmers. And the great thing is that I'm drawing attention to the stories of people that deserve to be told. Like these people are just in the background and they're doing what they do and like you know it's when you're supporting local and you're doing it the right way, it's often the hardest way and yet they're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And they want to look after you. They, they want to look after random people that they've probably never met before. And that's a pretty powerful statement in itself as well. So I, I feel like it's my duty to, to bring you into that world and see what's there.
0: Aman's absolutely right. Uh, those, those farmers, those organic farmers, they are striving to uh, not only make a living for themselves in the work that they're doing but they're trying to heal the environment in their own small way on their own uh, you know patch of land they're trying to regenerate the land they're trying to take pesticides out of the equation which in turn creates sustainable safe habitat for insects and other creatures um and i think it's so important within our current culture right now where we have this typical north american consumer cultures i've called it in other episodes where it's just every community going to there's some the same kind of set of businesses and restaurants and things like that it's so important to have a way to recognize um these other ways of eating, these other ways of producing food and consuming food, and that's, that's really what her pop-up dinners tried to illustrate, which I think is so great, especially in the Okanagan Valley, which I grew up in and I can tell you has a lot of strip balls and has a lot of chain restaurants and things like this. Anyways, um, this next bit here, we go into a bit of her process. And she talks about how she runs these pop-up dinners. So I hope you enjoy it and get some ideas that you can transplant into your own community. I'll try to reflect this event back to you. And you can tell me if I'm right. But it sounds like what you do is you you bring everybody together with the farmer. Um, do you cook the food on site and then you provide it to everybody, or is it prepared in advance and then provided? Or?
1: I have an approved kitchen, so okay. I have to use that to get the majority of the stuff done. Uh, Indian food tends to be a lot of time consuming so processes, really and then a it's a finishing. Finishing, finishing um, cooking of protein, so I yeah. use a lot of, I have camp stoves, okay. um, so I've kind of become the MacGyver of the pop up industry. Nice. So like I use. You can heat up your sauces and stick them in a thermos, and then take them out, so you don't need to wash another pot and um, so cooking with fire. You, so cook, th- you
0: cook right there a little bit. You, you finish yeah, a little like bit.
1: It's like the fish. The fish, um, anything that I'm kind of frying, there's could be um, like a cooked venison mm. over some pruned wine, uh, like pruned vines, mm-hmm. which then takes it back to terroir because with yeah. no one smoking with uh, this byproduct of the of Lake con- uh, of the Okanagan, which is wine country, mm-hmm. and I'm like, if you can't get any more Okanagan than wine, smoked
0: yes, yeah, freaking meat. Then yeah, then you're not in
1: the Okanagan. And it's all like certified right. organic, so you don't have to yeah. worry about like uh, the the herbicides and things like that.
0: So you, you, so you get all that on the table, and then while people are eating, you tell the story, and the story is usually, uh, I mean, like it's not a it's not it a story that you're repeating; it's changing each mm-hmm. time depending on the farm and depending yeah. on what the
1: so what then the I food might um, but I think that a good story is one that's always linked mm. so just because I've used Aaron's projects produce in the first source dinner doesn't mean that I'm not gonna give him gonna and use it all the way through talk about so it again, yeah. all of the all the people in terms of the farmers they're used all the way through so I can link it back to them
0: cool so a good story is linked a good story. Um, Gives people a sense of the purpose behind the meal that they're having um, And kind of the history and the culture and the ecology. Yep. What else does a good story do in your opinion?
1: It just it takes away all the boundaries right and like I feel like the most the craziest thing is you know, we're in a society where everyone's moving so quickly. Mm-hmm. You you go to work. You, you're getting the kids ready. You, you're sending them to school. You go into work. You're you're rushing to get back. You're trying to get the food on. You're mm-hmm. giving them a bath. Like there's this so has much. Been my there's, life. there's been a lot of things, right? <laughs> Whereas I kind of feel like it's my superhero power that I can stop time. People know it's a four-course meal, so your evening is mine. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm not in any rush to get this food out. So it is a three-hour experience. Interesting. Plus a mm-hmm. farm tour. So it's kind of just taking it back to try and get people. And I go to these random people places so that mm-hmm. um, there's no Wi-Fi there.
0: Yeah.
1: And, yeah, if they switch on their data, then, yeah, you probably can so get it. But it's,
0: it's, like, it's basically like you're trying to um, manage... Well, you're not managing expectations, right? Because really what it is is there's 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 no real expectation that somebody could have when they come to one of these pop-up events it You'd, could be i keep you guessing yeah they the don't through. know if it's going to be you know this long with this and the meal is going to do this and that it's it's kind of meant to be like i have you yep and now and let's go on this journey of appreciation together
1: and if i serve you something just you know and it goes again yeah back to that point where I said it's not necessarily the preferences if your grandma used to overcook your carrots and you don't like carrots doesn't mean that if I do the carrots that you're not gonna like so it's only if you try it will you know that you like it or not and I think when I write my menus the idea is to write it so that I four courses so it means that everything should taste different so it's my goal to actually have you not liking one of the dishes so much right Because your palate should be, you know, that's not possible. Unless you're me, then then, I like it all, I
0: like it all. But then your palate
1: should be stretched every time. Like, Mm. what's the point in me cooking four courses that's gonna taste like butter chicken for three of them? Right. And so let me take you on things that, and it's not necessarily like at pop doms, I was very like, okay, it needs to be true to its roots. And yes, I elevated it with like plating and things, Um, But I was very kind of still stuck in the ways that I want it to still be. I didn't want to have that label of fusion. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, I'm telling the story of the Okanagan. So I'm going to do what feels right to me. And let me explain my thought process when I'm doing it. And so it's not necessarily saying that i'm cooking indian inspired food anymore Mm. i might because of the produce that's available to me i've cooked some thai food from my travels Mm. or i might do something that's kind of based on another thing that i've gone from another part of the world but it makes sense for the okanagan story so it's just got that flexibility in a way that restaurant life doesn't give you and i feel like in order for you to really support local it should be about the celebration of imperfections not every tomato is gonna taste the same. And so, in my opinion, a dish that, like butter chicken, when I make it, it's with 100% Okanagan organic tomatoes. Mm -hmm. So that's a dish that should change every time you make it because it's all dependent on the tanginess of the tomatoes and how sweet they are. So it's not necessarily about the consistencies that you'll get in a restaurant situation. So the restaurant industry, because of the chains, because of all of this kind of commercialization of our food system, we kind of, we expect as consumers to have this perfect meal all the time and that it should taste exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But for something to truly be crafted, it should change as you change. So I let my food change with me. So the idea is I'll tell the story and I'll try and do the farmer justice Mm -hmm. by presenting you with food in a different way and getting rid of that sameness because I'm cooking through Indian inspired eyes and Mm -hmm. um, using the Okanagan. But I kind of want it to get to that point where I'm just saying it's Okanagan food. And to be honest, it's farm food. I'm using number twos, I'm using ugly produce, I'm using um, waste, but just as long as I can have that. I'm trying to teach people ways of if you have that relationship with your farmer, you can buy organic produce or sustainably raise Mm -hmm. um, uh, fish for less if
0: you can just have that conversation. I've spent a lot of time in the alternative uh, sustainable food movement and have always been troubled by this issue of prices um, because it can be quite unaffordable for for families to be able to have organic local food all the time. Uh, I know this uh, better than anyone right now because uh, it's just it's not easy to do on the road and it's not easy to do when you're on a shoestring budget um, so it's it's incredibly important to have access to these things and this idea of just having a conversation with your local grower and getting those number twos those uh, less desirable pieces of produce and vegetables and whatnot um, is actually a really easy way that you can have access to local organic food. Uh, So there's a great little tip for you guys out there. Go and talk to a farmer. Get some seconds. So one thing I want to uh, kind of wrap us up with um, is basically just... uh, You know kind of a key lesson to the listener about about how you did this you know and it seems like a project that anybody could do in their community Mm -hmm. right they could start a pop-up situation like this make connections with their Mm -hmm. farmers if they have culinary knowledge they could cook or they could get friends that they know who have that knowledge to come and cook so what key lesson do you want to impart to folks about how they can do this in their in their own place in their own community
1: I think the, the first thing is that we should be cooking more. You know, we should be sharing more. We should be learning those things that our parents and grandparents have have taught, been, been taught. And it's a skill that we're losing more and more. And I think it's really important, especially for me, when I lost my grandma, I was just like, when I eat her dishes, it brings everything back to life again. Mm-hmm. And that's such a key thing And that's just the power of food. So getting, it doesn't matter how big, like the thing I learned from my travels was one person can make a difference. And so just doing something is the biggest start. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're following my path. And Mm -hmm. yet, you know, this this is eight years plus of relationships that I've had. And this was just a way of, It now making sense and being something where I'm not going to get too dark and twisty and that I can do it and do it on my terms and you know educate is a big thing Um, but I also have a lot of expensive it's the most labor-intensive way of cooking Mm. Mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily about the food about the money yeah, for it's, this
0: it's more about it's
1: the bigger picture of things mm-hmm. and why we need to do things in the way that we do it and you know just starting a supper club at at home bringing your friends over and i think that like the best food comes from people's homes it's not in a restaurant mm-hmm. and i don't think a, a magical experience is it, it, everyone always asked me where where my favorite country was but it was more who i was with where, rather than where i was mm-hmm. with yeah and so trying to get those kind of things and i, I think the best thing is when you go to someone's house or that people come to my home and we cook a meal and then share it and and just you're not pressured by a server that's on a certain time and that you're going over and they want to close and you know if you have if somebody's drunk too much you can just stay over and it's just mm-hmm it's just starting something and keep on cooking and experimenting because i think the the best thing about food is you can always get better if something doesn't go wrong like you're always constantly learning and as long as you don't have an ego about it you're always going to keep on learning and that's the most exciting thing about it it's just there's it's endless
0: You can find the resources mentioned during this episode at togetherworking.com slash the Working Together podcast, all one word. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash working together. Your monthly contributions help make the show a sustainable thing. And the best part about it is that you get to join a global community of fellow change makers, an online community of practice, so to speak, for making awesome stuff happen in your communities. Because I don't just want you to listen to these stories. I want you to make your own. Join me. I'm going to take a quick minute here to thank patrons of the show who signed up in October. And I haven't even really fully launched the Patreon yet, so this is very exciting. So thank you, Heather, Philip, Letitia, Cheyenne, Carl, and Michael, for being that first batch of patrons through Patreon. I can't tell you guys how much it means to me that you uh, are supporting the show, and that you believe in what the show is about, and that you want to participate in what the show is about. Because many of you actually uh, pledged to become members of the Invisible College, which is an online monthly meeting that I'll be hosting through Patreon, um, where we explore a lot of the ideas and the tools that come up in the episodes and in the bonus how-to episode that I have for you as well. So thank you so much, guys, for your contribution. And if you enjoy the show and you want to contribute a little a little bit towards, towards the uh, sustainability of the show to keep it running and to help it grow... Go to patreon.com slash working together and uh and pitch some some dollars our way here and you'll get some fun stuff in return. Thank you for listening and tuning in guys.